Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of our show. This is a really different interview today. I'm talking to an author currently living in England, a very world-renowned author, screenwriter, um, really interesting gentleman, martial arts expert. He's a very accomplished writer. His latest book is 99 Reasons to Forgive and Revenge Ain't One. Mr. Jeff Thompson is a British Academy of Film and Television Arts award-winning screenwriter, penning multi-award-winning films for luminaries such as Ray Winstone and Orlando Bloom. Jeff is among the world's leading, highest-ranking self-defense and martial arts instructors. The prestigious Black Belt Magazine USA holds him as the most influential martial artist in the world since Bruce Lee. Jeff Thompson was sexually abused at the tender age of 11 by a trusted and beloved teacher. By the time he was 30 years old, he was unconsciously displaying his rage into violent sexual self-harm and long bouts of depression. In this deeply empirical study, Thompson reveals the true definition and the incredible power of forgiveness, clearly defining the difference between forgiving someone and letting them off the hook. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Jeff Thompson, the, the author of the new book, 99 Reasons to Forgive and Revenge Ain't One. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jimmy. It's a real honor to be talking to you. I'm great, very grateful for the opportunity to come on your show. Well, it's our pleasure. And Jeff, and you I have, have... You have funny bones. Every time I look at you, I just want to smile. You're, you're so funny. You've got such a great energy. Well, thank you. I'm not a great reader of the bio, but I do have good energy. <laughs> I have to admit that. My listeners will give me that. I do have good energy, but the reading of the type on the bio is always a little bit of a struggle for me. Oh, well, anyway, that's the worst thing that happens to us today. We're doing okay, aren't we? Oh, we're doing great. We're doing great. But I thank you for doing the show today. And I really, I had never met you before, and your publicist sent us this uh, review of the book and the book's getting great reviews. And I wanted to just start off, tell us what happened when you were 11 and um, how you came to be the man you are today. Well, I'll tell you what happened, um, but I also want to stipulate that, uh, and I'll tell you in a sec, but I want to stipulate that um, this, this isn't kind of a, a, a sorry retelling of my terrible past. This is kind of, I want people to know from the very beginning that there's life after abuse that there is treasure in the ruins. My life is better because of what happened to me, mm -hmm. because it sent me on a journey of, of deep inquiry. Uh, so we're saying to people out there, if they're listening now, um, no matter what's happened to you, you know, there is post-abuse you know, expansion. You can use this experience, whatever your experience is, to live not only a, a, a balanced life, but a better life. My life is beautiful because this happened, because it set me on a path of inquiry. But at the age of 11, obviously it didn't feel like that. I had a beloved martial arts teacher who groomed me and sexually assaulted me. And at the age of 11, it put me out by probably by about that much, you know, not very much, didn't feel like it. But by the time I was in my 30s, I was a country mile out. I was... Um, psychotically angry, psychotically jealous, I self-harmed, I sexually self-harmed. I was either deeply depressed or I was lashing out in anger. I was bipolar 
in the sense that I one one day I felt like I could change the world, literally, Jim. I, I didn't feel like it. I knew I could. And then the next day I couldn't change my socks because I'd lost my power of will. So this happened to me at the age of 11. The debilitating thing about it wasn't so much the abuse itself. It was the parasite of grooming. So it left me cognitively dissonant. So I was com absolutely massively confused about what happened to me. Because one minute you've got this teacher that I loved. I mean, I was 11, so I loved him. I idolized him. I was the star pupil in the class. And the next minute, we're all staying in this boys' club overnight to repair mats. And we've got this adventure. And we're all camping down in camp beds. And the next thing I wake up, and this beloved teacher has turned into a, a monster, you know. Um, and I'm terrified. I mean, I'm literally terrified. You know, the next morning I'm sobbing, you know, and he, he's obviously terrified because he's thinking he's going to tell somebody. And he makes me promise not to tell anybody, but he doesn't need to do that because I'm so afraid of anybody knowing anyway. I'm so ashamed of what's happened. So I buried this. I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't talk about it. So this parasitical virus, because, you know, um, Abuse is possession. There's no doubt about that. Somebody puts a negative cognition or a, or a parasitical belief in you. And over time, if that's not released and cleaned, it expands and it steals your autonomy. It steals, you know, every decision I made, every single decision I made in my life from the age of 11 was determined um, by that one instant. Everything came through that filter because I was so afraid of it happening again. So... You know, it left me um, very depressed. It left me uh, very dissonant and confused. Um, it left me still with this ambition to create and to do something with my life, but with this tremendous fear of stepping beyond that fear barrier because I didn't trust anybody. At that point, because this parasite in me was growing, I, I didn't trust my parents. I didn't trust my teachers. I didn't even trust myself. I didn't trust my own hands. So it was a very dark world for me. I went into the martial arts, you know, because I was excited about, um, you know, uh, kind of learning to defend myself and these exotic, you know, doing these exotic martial arts. And my first experience was that the teacher abused me. Um, later, I ventured back into the martial arts and used the martial arts as a way to try and, um, build my strength and build my character because I was so afraid of everything. I was actually afraid to live. Um, and the martial arts did a, did a good amount for me. It built me up to a certain level and it enabled me to confront the demons in the world, but it didn't enable me to look inside and go to the root of my problem and get rid of this, um, this virus that had been left inside me, that had grown and that had stolen much of my autonomy. Did you get into uh, alcohol or drugs? Or how were you lashing out? How were you uh, channeling that anger? I know you were legitimately channeling it into martial arts, but were you channeling it into other unacceptable behaviors? Well, uh, uh, self-harm. So yeah. if you look at my, my hands are all smashed up. If you look at my ears, my ears are all cauliflowered. I've had my nose broken in several places, places I won't go again, Jimmy. Right. 
<laughs> so I, I was, when I was a little boy, I looked like a girl. I was pretty um, and I was very skinny. And unconsciously, I, I damaged myself and um, destroyed all of that prettiness to keep any other kind of predators away from me. It was very unconscious. Mm. I, put, I covered myself in war paint. So my body's full of tattoos. I built my body into a, into a machine, into an armory. My back is massive. I was 16 stone at one point. I learned to kill in 30 different languages. I did everything I could to make myself unattractive to predators and um, frightening to anybody that wanted to try and step across that threshold. I even became a nightclub bouncer. I overcame all of my fears and I became a nightclub bouncer to try and gain some kind of confidence and courage. But uh, because it was misplaced, I ended up becoming very violent myself. Like the Nietzsche saying, be careful when you hunt the dragon that you don't become the dragon. So I lashed out. I mean, I was I was prolifically violent. I was in thousands of violent situations. I was in hundreds of fights. And I was very, very brutal and very unkind. And, and I became, I guess, the bully, you know, that I was trying to defeat in the world. But it was whilst working on the door and whilst being involved in this violence that I saw the truth. You know, these monsters that I was fighting were projections from this <clears throat> parasite that I had inside me, you know, this demonic uh, cognition, this, this negative belief. When I realized the problem wasn't in the world, in other words, I was, uh, my, my own life energy was coming through the filters of, um, of extreme severe distrust, and I was projecting that into the world. So everybody was an enemy to me. So I was in thousands of fights because I was creating enemies with my own perception, forgetting I'd created them. Then I was, then I was uh, uh, contriving techniques and strategies to defeat, to, to, to defeat the very enemies I was creating and forgetting. Once I realized that the problem wasn't in the world, it was, the problem was in me. So I was trying to fix the problem at the level of the screen. I'm in a cinema. And I'm trying to fix the problems at the level of the screen. When I realized the problem wasn't at the level of the screen, it was at the projector. It was the film. So I eventually started to turn inwards. And this is the Budo end of the martial arts and started to work on higher perceptions, working with a higher part of my being. And just to kill the perceptions at the level, um, at the geometric point, at, at the genesis. So rather than trying to fix the world, I was just yeah. coming in and fixing the world of me. What was the the turning point that, what was the impetus to see this in your own behavior? Was that, you, you said the Buddha, did you say? The, the Buddha, Buddha, yeah. The Buddha of martial arts. What is it? What exactly is that? It's the esoteric end of the martial arts. So instead of trying to fix the world and go to war with the world, you go inside and you unify yourself where you where you are uh, whether whether any kind of um breaks or conflicts so i i wasn't a unified being i was 10 or 20 different personalities like most people mm -hmm. i didn't know who know who i was i didn't trust my own hands in the dark i hadn't got control of my physical body i hadn't got control of my breath body I hadn't got control of my mind my mind or my intellect or even my own will force so i started to 
I started to turn inwards and get control of my body to unify it in a way that I could, I could create enough energy to do a, a kind of rigorous investigation on what reality really is. Okay. So tell me, how does forgiveness come into this? Who do you start with the forgiveness? Are you forgiving the abuser? Are you forgiving yourself? Are you trying to forgive the circumstances? And what what's the process of forgiveness? What can listeners take away as they're maybe holding these lifelong resentments towards whatever yeah. it is, their circumstances, their b- abuse, their the unfairness of life? What mm. is that like? <clears throat> well, the, the main thing you do when you, when you start to do an investigation, you know, you do the rigor or what Gurdjieff would call the work, um, and, and you start to work inwards. You start, if you'd like somebody like me, I, I, I try to get justice through, through the judiciary legally. didn't work. You've got to practically catch paedophiles in the act if you're going to convict them. That didn't work for me. So the judiciary didn't work for me. I tried to be physical. I tried to be violent. I tried to um, solve my problems um, with, with physical violence. That didn't work either. Every time I took a head off, another head grew in its place. So mm. I would, that was at those, you know, that anger, the resentment bound me to the very nature of my abuser. So I recognized that that wasn't helping. I tried all that. I tried you, it and it failed me. Did you physically go after your abuser and try to locate him? I I didn't meet him until I was ready to forgive him. Okay. Um. In, uh, until that time, I was displacing my uh, my um, rage on anybody that came into my world. That's why I became a bouncer. That's why I became an elite martial artist. Mm-hmm. It was a naive displacement. I thought that I could fix this problem. Um. I, I thought I could could fix it with a physical tool. You know. Mm-hmm you know, defeat violence with violence, but it just made it worse. It was like um, that kind of uh, violent action was like food for the parasite that was in me. It just fed it, it just made it stronger. Right. So pain bodies feed off pain bodies. Drama feeds off drama. So when I realized that wasn't working, I thought I've got to find something else. I've got to find out what does, does work. So I started to look at um, internal techniques, internal modalities. I started to explore forgiveness and forgiveness i recognized wasn't letting somebody off forgiveness was recognizing that when somebody abuses you they entangle with you it's like quantum entanglement they're bound to you even if you're separated by time and space even if you're separated by mortality if they if your abuser dies they're still inside you and they're still abusing you even over space and time even in separation because they've left a parasite in you. They've left a, a negative belief in you that, that is growing and needs to come out. So I started to work on forgiveness as a way of giving this person over to um, the powerful forces of reciprocity or karma or, or the, the, um, the law of uh, equal and opposite returns, whatever you want to call it. I recognize that he, I was bound to him by my anger. I was bound to him by my dissonance. I was bound to him by my rage and by my need for witness revenge. Right. So I didn't understand. I didn't understand that um, every time I got angry, it fed the parasite in me and it fed him over over a distance. So I needed to sever that connection. I need to 
needed to divorce myself from it. Given this is the week of Passover and Easter, did you have any religious affiliations that helped you? Or did you were you working entirely on your own? Did you talk to any uh, people, you know, professionals, either therapists or spiritual leaders or clergy people or rabbis or anything like that? Or were you I'm, pretty I'm much deep, on your own? Yeah, I'm deeply religious. Um, and it's not dissimilar to Passover because yeah. when I when I if you imagine that I if you imagine that I was bound to my abuser by the abuse and by my confusion and anger, my exodus, which is what Passover is, um, you know, celebrating. My exodus was when I let go of my jailer, let go of the person, you know, the person that was um, enslaving me. Um, by forgiving him, not by letting him off, but by giving him over to God, by giving him over to reciprocity. So that was my exodus. That was my way of freeing myself. I mean, in, in the Torah, in the esoteric end of the Torah, in the Kabbalah, they talk of Egypt as, rep as representing the, uh, the adverse forces or the, um, I think they call it the Sita Akra or the ego or the, you know, the, the kind mm -hmm. of, demonic ego. So we separate ourselves from the ego and from the evil inclination by severing that tie, by severing the tie with any association with negativity. Mm -hmm. So we learn so to was... love everything that breathes, even the people that abused us. Mm -hmm. So this was a spiritual transformation that yeah. you went through as much Absolutely. as a, a more than an intellectual yeah, the, you won't fix it on an international on a, a, a on a intellectual level, Jimmy. In, intellect is okay to get you so far. Physical yeah. and psychological counselling—they'll get you so far. This is a this is a metaphysical problem. It needs a spiritual solution. The spiritual solution is to recognise: <clears throat> I don't have the power to forgive. That's not a human power. I don't have the power to for, to pardon. So I needed to deep to to add a new denotation to forgiveness. Forgiveness means to give it over to God. It means to give it over to reciprocity. It means to trust that what you know that um, His bill will be met if I can give it over. Once right. I realised I couldn't forgive Him, I let Him go and gave Him back over to that. Right. So did you include Him in your prayers, like in the morning, or were you? literally saying to God, please take this person or how, how did that work? That, that process of forgiveness? Uh, it's a good question. It, it started off with me, um, reaching the top level physically and, and psychologically. I was working in life and death situations as a bouncer. It was very dangerous. Four of my friends were murdered. So it was a very dangerous job. So I knew how to handle myself physically. I knew how to handle my adrenals so I could control fear. I could control my fear and I could control other people's fear. So I learned how to do that. So I started to tip into the spiritual aspect of it. And the spiritual aspect was about recognizing that I, you know, that forgiveness is a divine attribute. It's not a human power. I started to understand by deep rigor and by, um, you know, studying the Torah, particularly the mm -hmm. Torah, um, the Kabbalah, the, the Zohar, the Tanya, very, very big on, on forgiveness and on repentance and on laws, on fixed laws. And the fixed law says that nobody gets away with anything. My problem was that I wanted witnessed revenge. I wanted to do the revenge myself. 
the Torah, the Old Testament, showed me that that wasn't my job. My job was, as St. Paul says, my job was to, if my enemy was hungry, to feed him. If he was thirsty, to give him drink, you know. And in so doing, I would heap fires of coal on his head. He was basically saying, when you give over your abuser to reciprocity, to divine reciprocity, you know, uh, his, that, that side of it will all be looked after. I, I haven't got the power to forgive or pardon, but I do have the f- power to repent. I do have the power to look at my own sins, my own errors, and repent. And repent means to repair. It means to return. It means to find refuge back in the center, in that singularity, that, ge- that geometric point that we call the soul. So when I finally met this guy and I told him that I forgave him, I felt a sense of relief because I'd let him go. I'd given him over to reciprocity. But as I walked away from him, the growing realization was that it was a, it was a quiet conceit, Jimmy. I, I knew I didn't have the power to, do, to pardon him. All I had the power to do was disentangle from him. I disentangled from him by entangling with a higher power, which was, for me, was, was God or Hashem yeah. or Allah, whatever you want to call it. So I, when, I, when I walked away from him and I'd got, him at, I, I'd got a clearer view, so when I removed him and gave him back that parasite of abuse, I expanded in consciousness. In other words, I, I was able to see more and understand more. And it was right. then that I looked at my own life and realized I don't need to worry about what other people have done to me. I need to worry about what I've done to other people. Right. I've been extremely violent. I've been unfaithful. I'd lived a profligate life. So God was saying to me, let this guy go. He's none of your business. I'll deal with that. Vengeance belongs to me and I shall repay. So reciprocity will settle that account. Your job is to look at all of the places where you've hurt people and repent them. In other words, repair them. Convert me. So there's all those all those areas of darkness that I was carrying around in my mm-hmm. physiological plumbing needed to be converted from darkness back into light again, mm-hmm. and that was the process. So my process wasn't about going around forgiving people. That's a quiet conceit. I haven't got the power to do that, um, but but I have got the power to repair and to repent. Okay, so you started to make amends to people that you had yeah. hurt. Was that part yeah. of it? Okay. Now, let me ask you, right now, and I'm, I'm sure this is the same in Britain, people are walking around with tons of resentments. They're yeah. walking around with tons of anger for a million different reasons. Yeah, Every, Because we're all human and we all have, mm. you know, ups and downs in life. And what yeah. would your recommendations be to people? Because I wanted to try to give my listeners some sort of a pathway to forgiveness. How does one forgive? What would your recommendations be? Stop worrying about the world and fix yourself first. <laughs> Good. So for me, I, I look at the, I find the corrupt politician in me. I find the greedy banker in me. I find the violent fundamentalist in me. They're there. And I go in and I clean them out. And as I clean them out and contract those negatives, my consciousness expands. My job isn't to fix the world. It's none of my business. My job, it's no good me, it's no good me talking about, you know, the pollution of the world while I'm still polluting my own body, my own, my own world with red wine or cigarettes or drugs or, you know, 
uh, negative propaganda off the television. It's no good me shaking my fist at, um, you know, at a pornographic politician, British or American, while I still have pornographies in my own life. Mm -hmm. It's no good me worrying about murderers out there while I'm still committing murder with my gossip or so, I'm still drawing blood when I shame people, when I'm right. unkind. So your solution is to focus on yourself. How do you improve yourself yeah. and take care of your own, your own personal inventory, yeah. an inventory of yourself rather than other people? And when That's you got well to that put. point in your life, you were able to go to the people that had hurt you and you were able to uh, you were able to confront the abuser. How did he respond when you confronted him? He fell apart. In what there's a way? Lovely line, there's a lovely line in the Zohar. It says um, in the Torah, in the Pentateuch, it says, uh, if you would forgive your enemy, first injure him. And what it means is before you give him over to God, injure him with the truth, tell him the truth. Most people rationalize their bad behavior. This guy that abused me didn't think he'd abuse me. He thought I was complicit. He thought it was a relationship. I was 11. It's mm. ridiculous, but that's how he thought. So he'd rationalized all of the kids he'd abused, and there was many. He rationalized that it was just normal behavior that most people don't understand. Mm -hmm. And it was kept a secret. Mm -hmm. And the people that did it were special. I was special, he told me. And I yeah. can't tell you too much, he said, because you're special and people won't understand. So when I said seen him, I destroyed that. I injured him by saying, you abuse me, you damage my life, and it's not acceptable. And I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. But I said to him, that's the truth. It wasn't a relationship. It wasn't natural. It wasn't, there was no, um, um, you know, I wasn't complicit. I was 11 years old. Yeah. I, I, you know, how can I be, how can a child be complicit? So I, yeah. I told him the truth and he crumbled. And as I, after I told him the truth, I said to him, I forgive you. Now, at some level, he knew that I wasn't pardoning him. He knew that I was handing him over. I gave him over to reciprocity. He's still got time to repent if he wants to yeah. and to repair. That's not my problem. My problem is to fix my world. If I'm if I'm really busy out there, you know, if I'm ang if I'm being angry at every la every latest thing on the news and every latest thing in the newspapers, I have no autonomy, Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah. People can steal my autonomy my autonomy with a comment. I don't care what people say and what people do. What's important to me is that I find my centre and I love everything that breathes. I love everything that breathes. I love everything that breathes. I have no resentment. I have no negativity. I have no anger. And if it comes into me, I either refuse to engage it or I convert it into love. Well, that's, not, a, that's not an easy process. That's high-level, esoteric yeah. practice. But basic, basic psychology, just basic psychology will tell you that um, when you're very – angry at somebody it's because you it's something in them that you don't like about yourself it's just basic projection mm -hmm. so when people are angry when they get violent when they're shaking the fists they don't realize that they are bound and entangled they're bound to and entangled with the very nature of their anger mm -hmm. so what we do is we have to find homeostasis in ourselves and we do that through the process of repentance repentance means to repair or to return to god or return to love and that continues to be my practice. And I can't, uh, Jimmy, I can't tell you how 
beautiful my life is because I don't have any of that negativity coming into me. What politicians do and um, what other people do, it's none of my business. My business is to, is to be as pure as I can possibly be and contribute pureness to the world. Otherwise, I'm just throwing my anger into the fatberg and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's a karmic fatberg. Whatever you throw into it, it comes back. You won't fix it with psychology. You won't fix it with, with violence. You won't, you won't fix it with intellect. It's right. a spiritual solution to a worldly problem. Well, Jeff, you've contributed to the show today, and we're very grateful for you being here. I want to know how the book is being received and how can people uh, get the book? Is it in bookstores in the U.S.? Is it online? Where is the book? I think they can pre-order it on. I think it's, a, it's out in England now, and I think it's out in America in about a week or so. They can pre-order it on Amazon, and it will be out over there. It's been very well received, but it, like I said, it's, it's, a, it's not a book that's – it's not another discussion about whether someone should be forgiven or not. It's a right. book that re, It's a book that – gives forgiveness a new denotation, a new, a new name. It's saying forgiveness right. is about giving it over. And it's showing people how they're fooled into entangling with people when they're angry and, and uh, about what's happened or what's happening right. in the world. It's your hope that the book will help to enlighten people because clearly <laughs> you just look around and you know, of all the, all the areas in, in the world that are in all the people and countries and movements that where forgiveness could be just a game changer in so many yeah. situations. And do you, do you hope that the book would be an impetus to that type of a conversation where people can start to look at themselves and look at their own situations and yeah. come to some reconciling? I mean, look at the truth and reconciliation commission in South Africa and yeah. the one it was done, I it's think massive. it was in Argentina as well. Pretty remarkable that people from opposite sides and the Good yeah. Friday Agreement, this Good Friday. Do you hope that this will be a conversation starter for more more movements like that? Yeah, well, it's just trying to add a little bit of light. You know, there's, there is a lot yeah. of darkness, but all of that darkness contains light. And, you know, uh, again, it's Passover week. So the Old Testament is saying our job, our, our duty, our work here is to convert darkness into light. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not necessarily trying to get rid of darkness. You know, if you've got a light bulb, you've got a positive and a negative element and it, uh, uh, not positive and uh, uh, positive and negative terminals. And they need to be connected by an isthmus or by a bridge, which is us, our soul. So we connect those two forces and with the two forces together, we create light, that we're here to convert darkness into light. We don't convert darkness by adding darkness to darkness. If you add black to black, you just, you just get blacker. Mm -hmm. So my, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that people forget about me because it's nothing to do with me. I asked God in my prayers, I said, I don't understand forgiveness. I'm trying to convince people of its power, of its metaphysical force, but I, I, I can't articulate it. Please guide me. So he sent me this book. This was downloaded into me along with 110 hours of lecture. And they all came from a rabbi and they were all taken from the Tanya, which is one of the commentary books on the Old Testament. And 
of those 110 hours, the majority of it was not about forgiveness. It was about repentance. It was saying, forget about him. He's a distraction. Don't be so easily fooled. Fix yourself. Mm. You know, you, wanna, you want these politicians to be kinder. You're not even kind to your wife. You mm. want these bankers to be less greedy. You're still greedy in your own life. You know, you're still selfish. You're receiving, but you're not sharing. He's saying, get yourself right. Peace and reconciliation, absolutely. But that must start with you. We need to have peace and, and reconciliation within ourselves. We need to be a unified being. So our right. dark and our light need to be married and combined. Give us the title again. It's 99 Reasons to Forgive and Revenge Ain't One. Okay. Are there 99 separate reasons in the book to forgive as a as you just said that you spoke to the rabbi gave hundreds of reasons. Are those in the book? Yeah, there's lots of reasons, including health, including, the, yep. you know, the loss of autonomy while we hold a grudge about yep. entanglement. Okay. People can read it and they can get, here are some positive suggestions. Oh, yeah. There's loads of Buddha exercises at the end of each chapter. Lots of exercises. Do this. Do that. This is in, This is saying to people, Whatever you do, don't take my word for any of this. You need to do the rigor, investigate and do and see for yourself. Mm -hmm. The main thing, Jimmy, is that um, is that any kind of grudge or any kind of resentment blocks the the free flow of consciousness of love. It also acts as a negative filter. So if I've got a grudge and this light of God comes through me, it's going to be filtered through that grudge, and every decision I make is going to be based on it. So this is saying that um, any kind of resentment blocks the expansion of love. It blocks the free flow of love. It's like having a, it's like having, um, you know, a bit of fat in your arteries. You know, consciousness yeah. needs to flow. So this for, uh, forgiveness frees the it frees consciousness. It frees it frees us to uh, find the full expression of love. Well, thank you, Jeff, because I think that. Uh... It's something we de desperately need. We need it. I, I and I go back, keep coming back to America and the, the situation because the, the the conventional wisdom now is everybody's so divided and everybody's upset and and there is there's no doubt about that. There is a lot of that, but this seems like one of the solutions. Yeah, I would say don't be distracted. Don't yeah. be distracted by the shiny keys on the telly. There's lots of things distracting you. Lots of yeah. things trying to get you angry. Lots of things trying to steal your energy, and all of them are distracting you from the from your own inheritance, which is consciousness, which is in you. So forget right. about that. Just come back to yourself. If you are perfectly clean and you are perfectly aligned and you're connected to God, you won't have any business with that. You're just your business will be getting your own life right. So all of those things are a delicious distraction. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, that's a great way to end this uh, interview. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for writing the book. I hope it has the intended consequences that you uh, aspire to with the book. Uh, I certainly will read it, and I know that I will be able to look at those 99 reasons for forgiveness and hopefully find some solace and some guidance and direction in my personal life. And I thank you yeah. for writing it. I thank you for being here today. And I want to encourage our listeners to check it out. You can get it on Amazon. It's all in the show notes of where you can get the book. If you want to find out more about Jeff, where can people find out more about you, Jeff? I'm on Instagram, and it's just Jeff underscore 
Thompson underscore official. Jeff with a G, Thompson with a T. And I've done a TED talk. It's online. Just it's a free a free TED talk about forgiveness and fear. Jeff Thompson, forgiveness and fear. TED Talk. Jeff, thanks a million for joining us today. Thank your publisher, Gavin, for reaching out to us. And I hope you can bring us more great guests like yourself. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And have a great holiday. And you have a great one. Have a great Passover. Thank you so much. And happy Easter and Passover to all of our listeners. And here's the whole point of Passover and Easter. It's not just about those days. It's about the rest of the year. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care, pal. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jimmy.